Luke 22:39-46 Finishing our series today on uh, conversations on prayer. You ever been at the uh, about ready to eat and you're having a, a conversation and somebody says, "Oh, we forgot to pray." Don't look at me like that. I know it's happened to you. And what you do is you all go into, into that, you, you all get that prayer stance. Right? You decide who's going to pray, whoever gets the short straw. And then somebody prays, right? Amen. And then you pick right back up where you left off, right? The space between when you remembered that nobody prayed over the meal... And when you went back to your other conversation, it's usually filled with void. Right? Oftentimes, we do it in an attempt to to just kind of fulfill a ritual. But there's no... But in that moment, oftentimes, there's no no real connection with God. There's just the the obligation to fulfill a ritual of some kind. Or, Or you hear someone praying publicly and it becomes obvious to you in the middle of their prayer that they're really not talking to God, they're talking to the people who are listening. You ever heard that? Lord, sometimes we think that you're not there, but Lord, we know that you're there. Well, God already knows that. Who are we talking to? Or, or, or Lord, we pray this morning that everybody here will sign up for a deeper life class. Who am I talking to? Well, I'm talking to you. But there's no real connection with God. I've learned in my faith journey, my relationship with God cannot be defined by the sum total of my activities. Activity is not the same thing as connectivity. You may be doing a lot of religious things. But if you're not making a connection, nothing's happening. You may be kneeling, you may be taking communion, you may be raising your hands, you may be singing, you may be clapping, your eyes may be closed, you may be praying before your meal, but what it amounts to is just talking if there's no connection happening. Prayer activity doesn't mean prayer connectivity. Now what is prayer? Every week I've kind of given you a different definition to work on with prayer. What is prayer if you're taking notes this morning? Is it a feeling? Is it how I feel? I, I used to I used to evaluate my prayer times when I was a young believer on how I felt when it was over. So, boy, I had a good devotion this morning. How do you know? Well, I felt good. Well, what about what about when you don't feel good? Is prayer is prayer the feeling or, or is pr- is prayer the words you use? Here's somebody praying. You say that was a that was a beautiful prayer. Why? Because of the words they chose. Is prayer the language that we pick? Or is prayer a medium to get from God what we want? Let me give you a definition this morning. Prayer at heart, prayer is faith. Prayer is, prayer is faith and awareness. When you pray, what you're saying is, ultimately there's a supreme, invisible God that I can't see, I can't hear, I can't touch. My physical faculties don't, don't register Him. But you say He's out there and I'm making a connection with Him. And prayer's the thing, prayer's the thing that's happening between you and God. 
Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without some faith, without some amount of faith, prayer can't happen. Prayer, prayer needs faith to exist. So in that way, prayer is faith. Prayer is also awareness. Living in the reality that God's real, that he's with you, that he is who he says he is. I remember one night sitting on the uh, edge of the couch and I, I don't remember what was going on. I was just sitting there in my living room. And I remember the thought struck me and I looked at the other end where no one was sitting. And I said, you're sitting there, aren't you? I mean, you're, you're, sitting, you're sitting here right now, aren't you? And I just had this overwhelming sense, had this overwhelming awareness that God was there. Now, here's the deal. I didn't have an overwhelming awareness that God was there because that night he was there and usually he's not there. I had the overwhelming awareness that he was there because I was aware. He's like always there. It's just prayer is that awareness and that faith that God is there. Now, how do you make a connection with someone who, who won't register normally on your five senses? How, how, do you, how do you make that connection? How do you make a connection with someone that I can't prove that you exist? Well, let me give you, let me give you two. We've, I've basically said to you for a month now, prayer's about the connection, not the result. But let me give you two this morning things that I see that are hindrances to us making a connection with God in prayer. If you take a notes, the first one is concept limitation. Uh, I just invented that. I have no idea if that's the right way to say it. Concept limitation. What I mean by that is our concept of God is limited. And sometimes that frustrates our connection. Does that make sense? God is infinitely more than you and I can imagine. Do you know when I'm describing something to you that you've never seen before, or somebody's describing something to me I've never seen before, what we do is our brain immediately draws off the pictures that we have that are the closest thing we can find to it to understand it. Have you ever been to the ocean? No. Have you been to a lake? Yeah, okay, it's like a lake but bigger. Oh, oh, okay, I, I understand. What happens is, in concept limitation, is I describe something to you that you already know to explain something to you that you don't know or, or, or don't see. So I say to you, how many of you in this room have ever been to the Netherlands in the spring and seen the tulip fields? How many of you? Four? Okay. Five, six. Most of us have not. How many of you in this room have ever seen a flower? You know, some people are just ornery, aren't they? They're not going to raise your hand no matter what you say. Now, you know good and well you've seen a flower. Raise your hand. <laughs> there you go. Mercy. Didn't come to church to just watch. Get involved. So if I say, well, the tulip fields in the Netherlands in the spring are like a flower... But, man, they're, they're a lot... It looks like somebody took giant crayons from an airplane and drug them across nine football fields in rainbow-style colors that are... Un, it's, it's like a flower, but it's not like a flower. I mean, it's flowers, but 
It's not like a little bouquet of flowers in your hand. I mean, this is off the chart. I can get you to begin to understand what the tulip fields in the Netherlands in the spring are like by drawing off the picture you already have of a flower. Now, here's what you have to understand. All of our concepts of God are like this. They're limited. None of them are the tulip fields in spring in the Netherlands. All of them are just flowers. All of our concepts of God are limited that way. The problem is none of us have ever seen God. We don't know what he's like in his fullness. And if we're not careful, we draw off the concepts that we use to understand him. And we can wrongly believe that that's what he is. He's not the flowers you hold in your hand. He's the flower fields in the Netherlands. But if you but if you've never seen them, you can think that what you have is it. And you, what you have to do is allow God to keep redefining himself to you over and over and over. Not because he's changing, but because we are. We say, oh, I mean, you know, you get saved and you go, that's who God is. Well, yeah, but that's not it. Then you come to a crisis point in your life and you realize that that God loves you more than you could have ever imagined and He moves you out of that time into a place of greater wholeness and you say, that's what God's like. Yeah, but there's more. And so God, and so your misconceptions, my misconceptions about God as we mature and grow and connect with Him keep falling off like old snakeskin. And the greater reality keeps emerging. But he's not changing. We are. But as we change, he looks different. It's not because he's different. It's because we're changing. I'm concerned for the church because if we're not careful, we can just pray to our concepts of God and not connect with him. We've got to realize that God transcends language and any picture that we can paint to describe him. If we're not aware, we can fall in love with our pictures and our words we use to describe him and not fall in love with God himself and therefore not connect with him. Is this, is this like shooting like in the ceiling? Are you getting this? Let me give you an example. The person that says, if we don't sing this worship song anymore, God's not with us. Do you love God or that song? If we don't use the hymn book anymore, God's gone. I didn't read about in Exodus the finger of God coming down from an epiphany to to write inside the American church the hymn book. If we don't use this translation of the Bible, God's not with us anymore. God doesn't live inside our songs. He doesn't live inside our our thinking. He doesn't live inside our concepts. He doesn't live inside any translation. The problem with that is concept limitation. Our God is too small. We can fall in love with a way of thinking about God. I love this kind of preaching. But God doesn't live in that kind of preaching. He's not trapped in there trying to get out. Like a genie, you, you rub the lamp and he comes out. He's not stuck in there. I I really, the person who connects with God says, I have something to receive from every style, from every translation, 
from every song because God's not different no matter what you play. He's the same and I want to push through the little bouquet of flowers and I want to get to the field of tulips on the other side and connect with Him. This is important because it limits our prayer life. It can inhibit our connection with God. We realize that what we have is just an inadequate picture to describe a marvelous field of tulips, but it helps me understand a little bit, but it's never enough. Several years ago, I led a missions team to Argentina and we did services in eight or nine churches. And we were in one church and, and uh, in, in Argentina, there's a strong Italian bloodline. I think 60% of Argentines have Italian blood. So we break out in worship service in the dead of winter in Argentina. And these guys go into an Italian line dance. I mean, I mean, the, the men make a human like a croquet hoop on each side. And the women come through and they're cha, 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 dancing through like that. And a snake line all the way around the room. And, uh, and then they switch and the men are running through. And the, the team that I took were teenagers are standing over on the wall going, looking at me like, what do we do? I said, get in line. <laughs> we're worshiping. Get in there. And they started chanting. The only word we knew in Spanish, Jesus, 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 Jesus. What do we mean? Shout, Jesus, hey, do it now. Jesus, Jesus. And so that group went, I don't know who was leading that train, but it was going crazy. They shot out the front door out on the streets of Buenos Aires. We're down there in the dead of winter, 40 degrees, 35 degrees at night. I can still feel my lungs burning as we took four city blocks in Buenos Aires in that train going, Jesus, Jesus, people looking out their windows. We're out there in the street. There's a dumb Norteamericanos. We're out there in the street. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It was a wild night. But look. I don't think that's the way to connect with God. I don't think it's not the way to connect with God. If you lead out the back door and go around Alabaster, I'm not going with you. I just want to tell you that up front. (laughs) The form is not the connection. But if I'm in Argentina, I'm going to connect like an Argentine. Because it's not, it's not, we're not playing on home court advantage here. But it, but I don't want to go tell them to not do it. Do it. Connect with all your heart. But it's not like, boy, when we really get in the thing, we're going to do that. No, that's just a bouquet of flowers. It's not the field. It's just a way that Argentines get to the field. But it's not the thing. And if you're not careful in your prayer time, you can bring all that stuff in there. It's possible to spend your life serving your concept of God. And that would be a mistake. Don't serve your concept of God. What did did God write on the tablets when he handed them to Moses? No, no graven images. No graven images. 
Our symbols, our structures, our translations, our songs can all become graven images. So we shouldn't have any? No, we should have them. We should just not get too attached to any of them. Somewhere we have to bring the gods that we have made with our own hands and lay them at the feet of the God who made us. And, and then they're useful. Here's the other connection issue that I see. It's the one-dimensional God. Some people say, God is holy. And He's going to judge, you know, whatever. It's happening on the news at the time. God is holy and He's going to judge. Or, or God, i tell you what God's about. God's about blessing. God will bless you and He wants to prosper you. Or God's a healer. God wants to heal you. God's about healing. Or God's a merciful God. God shows mercy. Or God is a God of supreme wisdom. Or Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming soon. And if you're not careful, you can attach yourself to a, to a concept of God that's one-dimensional. And you can always tell when you're dealing with that kind of person. Because no matter how relevant or irrelevant, they will always insert that part of God into everything. You can, you can be talking about any subject you want and you say, Oh, I, oh, I, oh I'll tell you, Jesus is coming. And you say, yeah, but what does that have to do with this? You know, it's, it's the, it's the one dimensional God. What is God? God is all that. He's all of those things, but you can't just take a slice and get the whole thing about God. I'm making a connection to a God that is beyond my comprehension. God's not a puzzle that I can work out. God stands outside of our own ideas about who he is. He says through his word. He says through other people. He says through the voice that you hear in your heart. I love you and I want to talk to you. And occasionally, somehow, we hear him and respond to him. And that response is called prayer. That response is prayer. That's what prayer is. It's not about our language. It's not about our pictures. It's not about, it's about connecting to God. Have you found Luke chapter 22 yet? Luke 22, 39. Let me give you the, let me give you the context and we're going to close. The apostle Peter had just, had just cut off the ear of one of the soldiers and, and Jesus looks at him and says, you're going to deny me, deny me three times. And he says, no, I'm not. And he said, well, is he going to deny me? He said, no, I'm not. And he said, yes, actually, it's worse than you thought, times three. You're going to deny me three times. But Jesus says something fascinating to Peter in that dialogue. He says, um, when, when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. So, so Jesus didn't see... The Apostle Peter's denial as a separation point between him and God. What he saw was his denial of Christ as a time when Peter would need a greater connection. Now that, that doesn't fit all our pre-understandings of that. But he saw it as a time when he would need a greater connection. Now what, what was all that about? Well, you know that because they move and cut the soldier's ear off. You're going to die me three times. And then they run into the garden together. Well, if it was separation, he would have said, not you. 
The other ones can come, but not you. You're going to deny me, so it's over. But he, he brought him into the garden with him. Now, look at, look at uh, chapter twenty two thirty nine. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, this is after all this had happened, and his disciples followed him. On, on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. I think it's interesting that Jesus went to a garden to pray. I know uh, when you think of a garden, we usually think about things that are alive. But, but also remember, a, a garden is where almost all things die. I mean, your, your, you know, your corn and tomatoes and squash and all that are, are, are starting to play out. This time of year, they're starting to die. I, I think it's interesting that Jesus went into a place that was, in a sense, a place of death. What's incredible about a garden, though, is that things that die there usually come back to life. There's a cycle, and the next spring, they come again. Prayer's the connection where the old man dies... And the new man comes to life. That's what prayer is. It's the renewal. It's the refreshing. Verse 42. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is where Jesus is saying, I don't want this. You ever come to those, I mean, I mean, I know you've come to those points in your life uh, where you get tired of serving God. We know that because the, the encouragement to us in Galatians is don't grow weary in well-doing. It implies that you can grow weary in well-doing. You can just get, you can just get tired of doing the right thing. You can get tired of, there, there's, a, there's a weariness that can come on the child of God it's not because they're doing the wrong thing. It may be because they're doing the right thing. You do the right thing, but you, but you, you get tired. And there comes times of exhaustion. And Jesus was praying there in the middle of that time of exhaustion with great intensity. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, Jesus was in there <laughs> under that burden. The disciples are out here in the other part of the garden asleep. Remember, Jesus is going to come back to him and say, can't, can't you pray with me an hour? And sometimes I feel like I can be the one that's out there in the outer garden. When the pressure comes, sometimes I just want, I want to take a nap. You ever feel that way? I mean, I mean the, you, you get enough weight on you and you say, man, I, I, sometimes I want to withdraw. Why is it at the times, now answer this for me, it's human nature. Why is it at the times that you and I need to connect with God the most we're, we're least likely to do it or it's hardest. Why is it in those times it happens that way? But Jesus calls us to that lonely little garden. And the question for us is, underneath the pressures of life, will you buckle and sleep or will you connect with him? It's the same question. The same question that applied to those disciples 2,000 years ago is the same question that applies to us now. When the pressures of life, what American culture tells us or individualism tells us is stand up and be a man, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That's not what Jesus says. We think there's two options. Uh, you know, be John Wayne and take it all on yourself or, or coward and bail out or, or numb out and sleep. 
But Jesus says, hey, hey, in the middle of the pressure, are you going to buckle in and deny it, stick your head in the sand, sleep, ignore it, submerge? Or are you going to connect with me? Are you, are you going to come in and, and, and tighten, tighten the connection, t- tighten the closeness? Because in that moment, that's what, you, that's what you and I both need. That's the, that's the replenishing part of the work of God that, that works His life into us. He knows that our feet are human. He knows we're made of clay. He knows that we're uh, frail. He knows that we wear down like a little pencil to the eraser. We get to the end sometimes. But He says in that, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? When your back's on the wall, what do you do? And then he comes out and says, can't you guys, can't you pray with me an hour? Can't you, remember prayer is faith and awareness. Can't you, can't you connect with me? I asked uh, Pastor Micah to come. I, as I, as I prayed for you this morning, here's what I heard the Lord say. Jesus is in that inner garden, and we know He's still there. He sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He's still in that little inner garden. From that garden, He calls back to the disciples. From that garden, He calls, calls to you, and He says, I love you. I love you. And I'm calling you to connect with me. He initiates it. Your response to his call is what we call prayer. Your response is prayer. He invites you and I pray. So would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come, our staff and altar workers prayer team. The things that are happening in your life that you're not praying about, you're working on by yourself. The things that are happening in your life that you're connecting with God on, He's at work in you, on them. I want you just to close your eyes this morning. What is it? What is it that's pressing you today? What is it? What is it that's pressing? What is it that's? Where's the pressure coming from? What's the weight on your life today? Doesn't mean that you're. You may be ready to give up, but it doesn't mean that you are. It doesn't mean that you're at the end. You might be. What it means is that that pressure is uh, like a red light that goes off on the dash where Jesus is saying, I'm going to piggyback on this pressure and use it to invite you to connect with me, to invite you to prayer. 
to invite you to come on a little further in the garden. It's just a stone's throw away. And connect back with me. Would you start to pray right where you stand? Just start to pray. There's so much power when you start to respond and engage God in prayer. Start to pray now. And just start to tell Him. Lord, we need you this morning. Lord, we, we don't want another week to roll by, another day to go by. Without responding, without connecting to you. Or without moving past whatever limitations or dimensions we have that, that mess the connection up. Lord, we want to connect pure to you today. As much as we can.